It's the 19th hole with Michael Williams. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the 19th hole. It's Michael Williams here bringing you the best of golf and golf lifestyle week after week after week after week. Even moment to moment sometimes. Uh, we got a great show for you this week. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is upon us, and though we won't be celebrating it like we would normally do with parades and in bars and um, exchanging uh, good greetings and shots of Jameson um, in crowded bars, we will still be recognizing that it is St. Patrick's Day. So um, in honor of our good friends, we're in the green. We're going to devote this show to Ireland and all of its great golf experiences. Joining us on the show is none other than the esteemed Irish ambassador to the United States, Dan Mulhall. He's going to talk about Ireland uh, in general and golf in particular. Uh, he has a lot of very, very good and salient takes on things that you would want to know about uh, what's going on in Ireland, how you can plan your trip, if you can plan your trip, when you can plan travel to golf uh, safely in Ireland again, and of course his thoughts on where he likes to play both there and here. That's a really fun segment. I know you're going to love that. Also joining us is my good friend Andy McMahon, who's the director of golf operations at Adair Manor. I dare say that there are, look, there are a lot of great destinations out there in the world that have great golf, and there are a lot that have great facilities inside the hotel and the uh, other amenities, restaurants, and that sort of thing. No one puts the two things uh, together better than Adair Manor. No one. It is the top of the charts, and Andy's going to talk to us about that facility, um, how they have coped with the pandemic year in 2020, um, and... Uh, about what we can do, uh, what you can do to get yourself there when uh, you are safe and able. So again, we have Dan Mulhall and we have Andy McMahon is going to be great. I want to take just a quick moment to recognize that we are coming up on a year of the pandemic and uh, it's been a tough year for everybody. It's been a tragic year for many. I've lost friends. Many of you listening have too. Um, we've had to struggle with things that are uh, unfamiliar. We've had to create new patterns for ourselves, new ways of doing things. We've had to uh, go without. Uh, we've had to endure. And sometimes we've had to grieve and mourn. Um, all of those things uh, are on my list. And I know that many of you have experienced them too. So I just want to take a quick moment to say I am uh, appreciative that with all the things that are going on, all the things that have been going on, and what we're still going through, we're not out of the woods yet. We're on the path to recovery. We're not out of the woods yet. I just want to say thank you for making this show and all of our shows here at Golf WRX a part of what sustains you through what is going to be one of the most difficult times that any of us ever experiences. It's been a march. It's been a slog. And... Um, but there have been bright spots, there have been upticks, there have been silver linings, and of course, golf being discovered and rediscovered by so many people is one of those silver linings. So in any way, if I've been a part of making this uh, period more endurable and maybe even slightly enjoyable for you, I am truly gratified. And I thank you very much for uh, tuning in every week and making us uh, a part of your your week, part of your day, 
and we will continue to do so. Um, God willing and the crick don't rise. So uh, with that being said, uh, go put on some green, grab yourself a Guinness or a Jamesons, maybe both. And uh, we will be back with some great Irish stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRX. Hi, this is Tom Montgomery, and you're listening to Michael Williams on the 19th hole. Welcome back to the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. And uh, again, I have some measurable, some measurable portion of Irish heritage. It's been confirmed by science. And that makes me even more proud and happy to celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day every year. But, you know, I celebrate Ireland year round. It is a magical place. It truly is. It's the people. It's the, the sights, the sounds, the history, the future. It's sort of in all directions, all dimensions. Ireland is quite the place to, to see in this world. And I'll be so glad when travel is not a life-threatening condition and you can get back uh, to that place. Joining me now is somebody who knows just a little bit more about Ireland than I do. I met him actually at Waterville when I was there um, over fish and chips and a glass of Guinness and a uh, pint of Guinness, I should say. And um, he's got a lot of things to do, so he's kind of busy. We rarely see each other, but I still am very proud to call him a friend. Please meet the Honorable Amb Irish Ambassador to the United States, Dan Mulhall. Dan, welcome back to the 19th hole. How are you, sir? Thank you. Thank you. I always enjoy the 19th hole. The 18 holes can be challenging, but the 19th is normally a winner for me. It, it, it is. I mean, nobody misses on the 19th hole. Everybody scores well. No, uh, no, uh, no, no miss putts, no, no wayward drives, no bad chips, uh, no um, wayward um, long irons from the fairway. There's a book in there somewhere. We'll work on that one next. There is. Um, so there is. The 19th hole. Exactly. You, you have um, been experiencing this whole pandemic thing like the rest of us. We're right around the anniversary, one year since we went into a, a complete lockdown uh, globally. Uh, what's it been like for you and what's it been like for Ireland? Well, for me, it's been like it has been for the rest of us, uh, the rest of the world, really. Um, I have been working remotely since uh, the 13th of March uh, last year. Um, um, the 12th of March last year, our Prime Minister was here for uh, the traditional St. Patrick's Day visit, and he managed to uh, squeeze in meetings with the, the then President, Vice President, and the members of Congress. Uh, but um, the, that evening, he left, um, and uh, the following morning, uh, I met my colleagues at the embassy, and we decided to um, lock down the embassy and to work remotely. And, um, well, we now have people who go to the office. Uh, there's almost somebody in the office every day and, and so on, maybe maybe a third of the staff are in every day, but most of us are still working from home, and I am too, uh, because I can do my work from home, and even if I were in the office, I wouldn't be having face-to-face -face meetings anyway. So, um, you know, uh, remote working has become the norm for me over the past year, but I yearn for the day when I can get back out there and start doing face-to-face -face events. I'm getting a bit tired of, you know, interminable Zoom calls and webinars uh, and not actually meeting people face-to-face. Uh, -face. Um, you know, in the last year, I've met hardly any new people, which is extraordinary for a diplomat because generally speaking, in a normal world, in a normal life, you meet multiple people every week and mm. you make friendships and you make new contacts and connections and so on. That's all been um, you know, impossible this past year. As far as Ireland's concerned, we've had 
you know the same kind of experience as as uh, most countries in the world. We've uh, you know we had a, we had a bad in, in 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 March, April, May of last year. Uh, for us, it wanes during the summer, and uh, we, had a, we had a very severe lockdown in April, May, and early June, and and the, the number of virus, the number of cases came down to uh, I want to say single figure. So you know hmm. we had maybe ten or uh, you know uh, between five and ten cases a few times during the summer, but then in the fall um, the numbers went up again, and uh, and they really spiraled after Christmas because Irish people enjoy getting together over Christmas in particular with family and friends and so on. Yeah. And uh, in January we had horrendous figures. So the, the country's been locked down since the end of uh, December, and uh, the number of cases now come down. Uh, it was way up there, and now it's about 300 a day, which in American terms would be about um, about 20,000 a day. So still, you know, a lot less than the numbers that are here on a per capita basis. But still, I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, people still getting it. But the numbers are coming down, and the hope is that in the coming months we'll be able to gradually reopen the economy but it will be gradual and it will be step by step because we learned last time around uh, at the end of last year that if you open up too quickly uh, the virus just comes back with a vengeance yes even if we aren't patient the the virus is extraordinarily patient and will take uh yeah, wait yeah, for, for yeah it's waiting there and it's and, and it's changing its tune and all of that and it's waiting to pounce on it so yeah. I, I think i think in ireland we will be we will be careful. We will do things in a very measured way. Uh, but the vaccine has been rolled out now. I mean, right. it's obviously, you know, like everywhere else in the world, there's not enough supply and, and it's taking time. But but I think, you know, um, week by week, I think things will, will hopefully get better. But when they will reach the point where we can get back to some semblance of normal life, that's a very big question, which I really have no answer for. Well, people, as you mentioned, the vaccination, people are using that, that hanging on to that hope that we'll all be vaccinated soon. Um, President Biden had said that uh, he's looking at May 1 to open up vac vaccinations for the general population, yep. which means that people yes. really are starting to look at, at planning travel for the summer, because who knows what lies beyond in the fall and winter of next year, but variants, variants and that sort of thing Correct. going. I think Correct. people are really going to try to get it in, you know, as they say, um, in, in, yeah. in this yeah. spring and fall period. Is uh, Ireland open for business, for travel for this summer? Can people start to look to, to plan Irish travel? It's still uncertain. Um, I, I don't think, I don't know for sure, uh, but uh, I, I think it will require the number of infections to come, you know, way down. Um, it will require a period of time uh, for us to satisfy ourselves that uh, we can reopen our uh, country to travel without uh, risking a further a spiral of infection. So at this stage, it's much too early to say. I mean, our our government's keeping these things under review, but I don't expect it to be the early summer anyway. I think it will be later in the year before uh, any, any semblance of normality comes back uh, in terms of, of travel uh, to Ireland. At the moment, we we have a we have a uh, there's no travel ban. People, Americans can uh, can can travel to Ireland, but they have to. Uh, there's a mandatory. 14-day quarantine. So for anybody going for a holiday, that's clearly not going to work. It's only really people who are planning to go there on a on, on a long-term basis for whom the 14-day quarantine would be mm -hmm. feasible. So essentially, um, you know, uh, we're not encouraging uh, uh, travel into Ireland at the moment. We're not encouraging Irish people to travel abroad either. So, um, um, and I, I think things will loosen up, you know, in time. But when exactly that time will be, is impossible to say at the moment because there are so many uh, uncertainties about, you know, the vaccine rollout, uh, the availability of vaccines, uh, you know, the the gradual, uh, you know, effect of the lockdown and bringing the cases down. The combination of those two things, vaccine rollout and the lockdown, 
ought to bring um, the number of cases down to a manageable level uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, how long that will take is impossible to say. Mm. We're talking to uh, Irish Ambassador to the United States, Dan Mulhall, here in the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. And uh, hey, do I get the guests or do I get them? That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. Um, so I want to talk about two things. One of them I know a little bit about. One of them I know nothing about, but celebrated every year. St. Patrick's Day. We all you know, wear the green since I was a little kid. You know, you put on the green thing. And as I got older, we celebrated with uh, green beer and all sorts of things. Plenty of Jameson's, that sort of thing. I have no idea what St. Patrick's Day is all about. What are we celebrating? Okay. Well, St. Patrick was uh, a... Uh a monk from the from the fifth century in fact he's probably the most famous person from the fifth century uh, anywhere in the world because uh, hmm. as you say his uh, his feast day is celebrated with gusto around the world especially here in america by uh, irish americans and others who have um, either limited or maybe even no irish connection but they just like the idea of getting together and wearing green and celebrating uh, St. Patrick's Day. So St. Patrick was the first, uh, was the person who brought Chris, oh, he, who was accredited, accredited with bringing Christianity to Ireland in the uh, fifth century. And of course, the Irish took, took to Christianity with great enthusiasm and uh, we started <laughs> yeah. to have monks going all over Europe in the Middle Ages and, uh, you know, having to save civilization in Europe. And then of course, uh, when Irish people started coming to America in large numbers in the 18th century, uh, they started celebrating St. Patrick's Day uh, in this country. And in fact, the first ever St. Patrick's Day parades did not take place in Dublin or Cork. It took place in Boston and Chicago among the Irish. So, so uh, sorry, sorry, Boston and New York. So, so really the celebration of St. Patrick's Day that we know today is in many ways an American, an Irish-American uh, tradition. And of course, it's now all over the world. And but yes, those parades were held. I mean, back in I mean, back in the during the Revolutionary War, George Washington, uh, you know, declared St. Patrick's Day a special day and hmm. gave his troops uh, some privileges on, on on that day because of the role the Irish played in the Revolutionary War. And then, of course, in the second half of the 19th century, when literally millions of Irish people came across the Atlantic to America fleeing from the effects of famine and deprivation and discrimination in Ireland and started to you know, create significant communities of Irish birth and descent, you know, a lot, especially along the eastern seaboard, Philadelphia, uh, New York, Boston, out to Chicago, Pittsburgh, and so forth, all over the eastern part of the United States, uh, very big Irish communities um, uh, developed. And they, of course, uh, had two uh, things in their minds. First of all, they were proudly Irish and they wanted to hold on to their Irish heritage. But secondly, they they were they wanted to be part of the fabric of of America, and and therefore I suppose the Patrick's Day celebrations in a way was was a statement by the Irish immigrants, some of whom were not that widely welcomed here. You know, in the middle of the nineteenth century, there were nativist mm -hmm. movements that sought to uh, yeah. you know block immigration and uh, yeah. discriminate against the Irish, regarded the Irish as an alien element in American society. Mm -hmm. And I suppose St. Patrick's Day was a day when the Irish could could assert themselves, could assert a their their Irish identity and b the fact that we belong here. This is our country now, mm -hmm. uh, and that's why that, that's why this uh, you know this remarkable parade down Fifth Avenue uh, took place. And it was in a way a statement by by an immigrant uh, community that was on the up but still suffering from. Uh, some measure of discrimination to say to the rest of America, we're here, we belong here. We're Irish, but we're also American. And I think that's the great thing about the Irish-American community, that they have a pride in their American. I mean, they're fundamentally American. They're proudly and patriotically American, but they also have a pride in their Irish heritage. And that, of course, 
applies also to President Joseph Biden, who is of Irish descent. Yes. Ten of his 16 great-great-grandparents were born in Ireland. At, wow. Did not know that. I didn't know he was Irish. Didn't know how thoroughly Irish he was. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, very thoroughly Irish. And what's more, he's always, he's always, in, he's always identified as an Irish-American. He's always expressed pride in his Irish-American heritage. And that's something that obviously pleases Irish people greatly to see somebody rising to the very top of the tree who has such a pride in his Irish heritage. Well, that's just another thing that me and Joe have to talk about when we finally meet. Um, <laughs> I, I, the, the other thing I guess I wanted to talk about was uh, Ireland and Irish golf, because there are uh, a few of the listeners who haven't been to Ireland. So as only you could do, I would suggest, um, do a uh, quick, uh, I guess, uh, uh, an ode to Ireland and Irish golf? Well, we've got a vast number of golf courses, uh, more than 400 courses in all, for a population on the island of Ireland of 7 million. So we must be one of the most thoroughly golfed countries in the world. And there are, there are a number of, of, I think, features of Irish golf that I would like to emphasize. First of all, there's the friendly nature of Irish golf clubs. Uh, if you come into an Irish golf club, and I'm talking now not about the prestigious courses, but I'm talking about the ordinary Irish golf course, the local golf course that you go into, uh, and you you know you pay your green fee and you play the you know the course. And when you come back into the clubhouse afterward, people will will want to talk to you. They will want to welcome you. They will want to make you feel at home. And that's one of the the features of Ireland that I think. Uh, visiting golfers will probably appreciate that they don't just get to play the golf course. And even our, our sort of non-sort of, you know, famous or, or courses that are not particularly famous are usually very, very good tracks and, and well worth playing. And most of them have been there a long time. Many of the golf clubs in Ireland date back to the period uh, around the turn of the 19th century, um, you know, between 1890 and 19, uh, between 1895 and 1914, most of the golf clubs of Ireland were founded at that time. And uh, that's the first thing. So friendliness uh, and accessibility of golf. There are even um, public uh, courses, in other words, courses that are owned by local authorities, owned by local councils, where you can play maybe for, you know, $25 for a round of golf. So these are, these are very well maintained as well. The second thing is that, um, you know, if you go out in particular to the west of Ireland, you will find some very, very fine uh, links courses, which are natural um, courses, uh, which nature has created and mm. a limited amount of, of human intervention uh, to shape these courses. And we're talking here, you can go all the way up the west coast of Ireland, you know, from Waterville, where we met some years ago, mm. uh, to Tralee, uh, Ballybunion, um, you know, you have La Hinch in uh, County Clare. Mm, uh, then you have, you know, you have the Connemara Golf Club, which is a beautiful course, absolutely pristine mm -hmm. uh, links course, uh, but a very friendly place as well. That's in uh, Chifton in Connemara. Um, and then you go up uh, to Sligo and you have Ross's Point and then up to Donegal and the various uh, courses like Ballyliffin on the northern tip of Ireland. And then you go into Northern Ireland, of course, and you've got Port Rush and uh, Royal County Down and then you come down along the east coast and you have, uh, you know, the great uh, links courses in uh, County Louth. Um, um, and then you have, um, of course, the, the Dublin has so many uh, courses, but the traditional ones there would be uh, Royal Dublin, Royal Dublin and Port Marnock, both of which are traditional, you know, courses, uh, which are. Uh, and then the third thing that I would say is that um, 
a lot of um, of very um, of new sort of courses were have been developed in the last say 30 years, and um, they are talking about a club that I belong to as an honorary member, uh, the old Head in Kinsale, which mm-hmm. is a gorgeous location. Uh, you've got Hogs Head, of course, in uh, Waterville, which is uh, very close uh, to the uh, traditional, the famous old uh, Waterville uh, links. And, and then you've got places like Druid's Glen in uh, County Wicklow. Uh, you've got my own um, home place of Waterford, Waterford Castle, which is a, a course built on an island in the, the River Shore. Uh, so, so you got those. You got the you got the older, you know, clubs. These are kind of members' clubs. You got the prestigious sort of, you know, links courses along the coast, both on the west coast especially, but also on the east coast. And then you've got these new, uh, you know, designer sort of uh, made courses that have really, um, you know, um, like like the K Club, for example, in County Kildare, where the Ryder Cup was played some years ago. That's another fantastic course. And then a place which will host the Ryder Cup in some years. Uh, from now, and that is Adair Manor in uh, County Limerick, which is a phenomenal course, which the owners have spent large amounts of money in. It was already a brilliant course, by the way, it's been there for a long time, but the owners have spent a lot of money in upgrading it, and the Adair Manor Hotel was voted a couple of years ago as the best hotel in the world. So there's a lot on offer uh, from uh, golf in Ireland, and I yearn for the day when I can get back there and play some of these courses again. And I look forward also to welcoming some of my American friends and playing some rounds of golf with them. Absolutely. And um, I'm going to take just a, another couple of minutes for you because I have two questions that I need you uh, to answer. Sure. One is a two-part question. One is sort of a, uh, a process question. The first one is, uh, can you pick – you just named a bunch of courses <laughs> in, in Ireland. Can you pick a favorite in your favorite Irish course and your favorite American course? You want to name one? Yes. Um, yes. Um, well, I mean, I, I would certainly uh, – I would certainly, I would have two. I mean, the old head. I, I really love the old head. I think it's spectacular views and so on. And and then for the traditional uh, links course, I would say either Waterville or La Hinch, mm-hmm. uh, both on the west coast. One in Kerry, one in Clare. My favourite American course. I've played Shinnecock Hills um, uh, on Long Island a number of times. It's a magnificent course, both as a layout, but also just the tradition there and the clubhouse. It's just a beautiful place to enjoy a round of golf in the kind of a course that is that, that has been there for more than 100 years yeah uh well chosen on both of those and now given your education your erudition um your problem solving skills diplomatic skills and overall talents i need you to use all of those powers to address the one question that has been i guess just bothering people and vexing people for the last two years globally what is wrong with Rory McIlroy? <laughs> well, he's still he he's still a very fine golfer. But you know, golf is one of those games, is it not? Where, apart from very very exceptional circumstances, I'm thinking of Jack Nicklaus, for example, who was able to, you know, continue dominating golf for you know quite a number of years. Tiger Woods is another example of someone who who seemed to never be anything other than the top golfer in mm-hmm. the world. But if you look at the last, um, since Tiger Woods uh, ceased to be the top golfer in the world, for example, I mean, how many players have occupied that spot? Yeah, it's, I, I, it's got to be 10. I, I mean, I bet it was 10. At, at least 10. I, I would think it's more than 10. Mm. A, a lot of players have come very briefly to the top. You know, they win a couple of tournaments, they, you know, they're hot. You know, so I, so I, so I just think golf is, you know, is the kind of game where, you know, because the 
margin between success and failure is literally millimeters. Yeah. Right. Right. So there is some element in golf of, you know, the look of the draw. You know, you know, you know, your putts fall or, or they miss by a millimeter. And I don't know any game where where that kind of, you know, where the difference between success and failure is so, um, you know, so small, so so minute. So I, I just think that 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 golf is the kind of game that it's impossible to to. Uh, for anyone, to, except for the Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus, um, which are the you know the exceptions that that, that prove the rules, it wasn't for anyone to you know to, uh, you know to dominate in golf. And also, it, like it requires such concentration. Like you have to like you know you have four rounds, each four four to five hours long, and every shot you hit has to be hit with absolute precision. Yeah. So, so golf is just a game that I think is I think it militates against. I mean, in a way, it would be better for the game. It, if, if there were two or three players, you know, like Palmer, Nicholas, and Gary Player of old, who kind of dominated the game for 10 years at a stretch, but that doesn't seem to be happening these days. And, you know, players uh, come and go. I think Roy McIlroy is in that category. But, but remember, Rory is still a young man. He's still not, not even 30, right? I think he's just so, 30 now. Um, he's just 30 now. Okay, but, but, he, but he's still a young man. I mean, he's still got, like, you know, I mean, I suppose... Golfers are at their peak between maybe 25 and you know and 40, and uh, he's got 10 more years. So I I would expect to see Rory winning, you know, you know, and winning more majors, uh, you know, in the years ahead. I I, I I think if he got, I mean, if he got one major again, if he got one more major, I think you'd see Rory going on a run because he's I think he's the kind of player that 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 would be, you know, the confidence of winning another major, you know, this year or next year would really sort of you know pump him up for. You know, for further, you know, for further few um, major victories. Yeah, I I'd kind of agree. But I don't with know you. if we, yeah, but, but I don't know if we'll ever again see the kind of. Um, I mean, we may well some 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 player may come that has that kind of ability that Tiger had and that uh, Nicholas had to kind of keep it going for you know twenty plus years of winning, uh, you know, majors. But uh, but it's but it's more likely that that players will 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 be you know will have a couple of years and will win two or three majors and then will will kind of not be able to repeat that um, recipe. Yeah, that's afterwards. true, because even one major, sets you, you're set for life now, you know, in terms of money, and uh, it's like Absolutely. generational I mean, wealth. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I'm friendly. I was friendly with Ori Harrington when I was in Malaysia. I, I used to see him every year when he came for the Malaysian Open. And, and I mean, I mean, Ori won three, three majors. It's a fantastic achievement, right? Right. But, I mean, you know, it, it, and, and people don't really recognize that. But if you win even, I mean, look at the players. Look at the great players. I haven't even won a single major. Right. 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 I mean, there's so many brilliant players that have just missed out by, by you know, this is by a, by a very slim margin. You know, usually a, you know, one wayward shot, you know, in the last round killed off their chances. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of game it is that, you know, every shot you hit from it, the fairway or from the tee box has the potential to, to you know, to finish your chances. Right. It is. It's, um, and, it's, and, it's you're hitting, and you're hitting like, I mean, from the fairway and, and the, um, the tee box, you're hitting like, you know, um, 60 shots around, you know, or 50, 55 shots, uh, uh, shots around. So, you know, it's a lot of, uh, you know, so you, you, there's a lot of opportunities for you to, you know, to make, you know, the kind of mistakes that can kill you around. Well, I don't know if I was your swing coach that I would have you going out to play golf with those particular <laughs> swing thoughts. But there's a lot of opportunities to screw it up, but I take your point. <laughs> no, no, but, 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 I mean, but, but I mean, that's the beauty of golf, that you're, you're not, you know, I mean, you're playing against yourself. I mean, 
Whereas other games, you know, your team games, which I really like, I don't play anymore, but I, I really love playing soccer and a bit of rugby and and so on. Um, but um, those games, you know, you're playing, you know, you're playing with a team. Whereas uh, golf is one of these games that you play, you know, you're playing your own head, and yeah. uh, you know, you have all these opportunities, uh, you know, to mess it up. And players like me. Um, take full advantage of those opportunities. The great players um, only occasionally fall in that uh, category, <laughs> but they do. And it's, it's an extraordinary to think that you know someone who's playing brilliantly can get to the 18th tee, leading a major um, uh, championship, and can hit just a bad, you know, a bad shot. Yeah. That can then you know you know deprive that player of you know the glory of winning a major. So it's that, that, that and that's the beauty of golf in many ways. That that, that it's. Until the very end, especially when uh, when it's tight at the top, until the very end, players are under intense pressure. Every shot has the capacity to be a winning or a losing move. Yeah, it's it's, it's so true how you said. I think I like the way you really frame that. It's about expectations of what defines success. Because you know, for Rory, we define success for him as winning multiple majors in a row. For me, yeah. it's like getting around the golf course using one ball. I'm happy. Okay, so <laughs> me too, me too, me too. And I'll be trying that again this weekend. <laughs> I wish you luck, okay. my friend. Um, look, thank I want to thank much. you. I report to you on my success or likely, more likely, failure. <laughs> report back either way. We want to hear the details on that one. Uh, that I want to say thank you so much for spending the time because I know that it's precious on your side. Uh, a happy St. Patrick's Day to you, sir. And uh, we'll keep you. you posted and have you back on once we can uh, travel. You can give us some more of your uh, insider information about where to go once we get to the Emerald Isle. Will do. Cheers. Thank you so much. That's Ambassador Dan Mulhall. He is a great guy. Really had a great uh, time meeting him and his wife, Greta, over with Jay, uh, Jay Connolly and the boys over at Waterville. Uh, completely just a fun, natural, just a pure golf experience. And so many of the courses that he named, what I like about them is that they are pure golf experiences. And I bet you that if you go and just not just do the courses that the uh, guide tells you to do, go find a course, you'll be able to add one that none of us have ever heard of and say, have you heard of this one? I went to that and it was so much fun. That's one of the great parts about uh, golf in Ireland is to go discover one that no one has ever heard of. And then you get to kind of make that your own. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more golf and stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRS. Welcome back to the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. And here in the United States, next week, we're all going to be celebrating the Irish, uh, the green. I am, in, I, in fact, as I said before, I am, in fact, part Irish. It's been confirmed by one of those DNA services that I am between 10 and 15% Irish. So I will take that and wear it with pride. And all of us next week are going to be pretending as if we're in Ireland. But, you know, it's a pale comparison uh, to being on the Emerald Isle. It's such a beautiful place with such wonderful people. And, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite, you know, among the places that you have there. But I got to say, if you're going to 
visit uh, Ireland, one place you definitely want to have on your list. Don't even make it on the bucket list. Just make this, this is the list. It's Adair Manor. It's a place that is at the same time old and very, very new and modern. At the same time, it's traditional. And at the same time, it's creating new traditions and uh, new experiences. It is, it's a, a, a place of just magic. It's just pure magic. And look, I could explain it and try to explain it for hours now, but it'll take, just take a few minutes for our next guest. He is the director of golf operations at aforesaid Adair Manor. And I'm also proud to say a good friend of mine, Andy McMahon. Andy, welcome back to the 19th Hold. How are you, my friend? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, it's good to hear from you. I always say that you're my good luck charm, okay, because, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we met the last time and we were just strolling around and we we're having a little bite of lunch before we go out to play. And I'm talking about how I would love to meet the owner, uh, J.P. McManus, who's uh, a larger than life figure, a uh, billionaire who's the owner and the uh, visionary behind uh, the uh, re the redo of, of Adair Manor, and I'm talking about whether he likes inside or outside more. Does he prefer the golf or the hotel? And says, well, he's sitting he's sitting right over there. And it, it, the guy's sitting at the next table. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> holy crap. Okay, this is, uh, this is, this is fortuitous. And uh, so I got a chance to spend some one-on-one time with J.P. McManus, which I am told is uh, uh, about as... Uh, a rare an occurrences can happen for one of us media types. So again, you're you're my rabbit's foot, my friend. Always want to keep you close. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, um, so look, it's been it's been a year. You know, it's been uh, a year uh, since uh, March in 2020. We had the, the the declaration that we were in a pandemic and everything shut down. But gradually, places found a way to adapt improvise and continue uh, serving the public and providing experiences. And um, before we start talking about what's going on now, I'd just like to reminisce a little bit. What what was it like and how did you guys go from zero and back, gradually get your way back into serving again? What were the challenges there? Yeah, I mean, Ireland uh, had, some, had some real challenges with COVID. We, we opened, closed, opened, closed. Um, as I say, we're getting very good at uh, opening this resort up again. Um, it's not as much fun closing it down as it is opening it up. Um, we, we, were, we were delighted. I mean, with obviously the social distancing restrictions, golf being one of those areas where, where you can socially distance easier than other. Um, obviously, there was a lot of restrictions put in food and beverage in the hotels, etc. But it's basically making sure that we enforce the the rules that we were putting out there, and um, we're delighted that our, our golfers obeyed them, and we could stay open for as long as possible. Um, and then we always close for our um, re- uh, course maintenance, January, February, March, and that's coincided with a, a severe lockdown in Ireland just now. So yeah, um, we haven't we haven't missed out too much January, February, March from a golf standpoint. Um, so hopefully. And we'll be back up and running in early April. And that's certainly what we're hoping for. Outstanding. And uh, you guys had so many things every year. Um, I think you've been open for, is this your third uh, year and season for both the hotel and the golf course now? Do I have those? Yeah, we open. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah, this is, um, as I say, we, we obviously had the, 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 the Pro-Am this year as well, which was obviously being pushed back a year. We had the Ryder Cup in 26, which has been pushed back a year so. Um, yeah, since we've since we opened up um, back in uh, 2017, at the end of 17, then we've uh, 
we've we've had some we've had some challenges and we just have to move the goalposts and run with the punches, really. Okay. And before we go forward again, I want to just go backwards and just give sort of a general description of what Adair Manor is, the history of the place, um, the again, the vision of J.P. McManus to turn it into something for the 21st century and what you ended up with in terms of the experiences that you offer inside and outside. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've now got a, a manor house with 104 bedrooms, five-star hotel, uh, no stone is left untouched, all, all the glass, everything is just absolutely perfect around here. Um, we're constantly doing work to our gardens and our grounds, and again, there's been notable work done in them during this uh, during this uh, lockdown and at the end of last year. Our golf course was a championship golf course. We hosted Irish Opens. Um, it was a it was a championship golf course. Robert Trent Jones golf course and Tom Fazio um, was the redesign um, for for Mr McManus, and we have now got. Possibly the, some of the finest playing surfaces anywhere in the world. I mean, we have pure distinction bent grass greens, A4 bent grass approaches. It, it really is uh, spectacular playing surfaces that we've managed to achieve. Yeah, it really is. And you have all of the, the technology working on the golf course. You have the sub air uh, systems working under the greens. And um, it's like hearing like airplane motors down there sucking water through the greens. And <laughs> I, I, the, the only two courses that I've walked on that have been conditioned as well, it's, it's basically Adair Manor. And Augusta National, you feel like every single blade of grass is numbered, um, you know, for your convenience. It's it's really uh, something to see as far as that on-course conditioning. And uh, again, I know you're uh, the golf operations guy, but brag a little bit about the hotel because I tell people to try to give them a picture of it. It's like you've been invited to spend a few days um, on the set of Downton Abbey. Okay, it's got that thing to it. It's it's a real manor house that was owned by sort of aristocracy for for generations and has now been turned into a, a public um, resort experience no yeah i mean these everything that's been done to it has been done so tastefully as well you know so we've kept the original features you you can look up and you can see the gargoyles when you walk into the into the the main lobby if you so to speak the, the detail the fireplaces when you're walking up to the gallery you can nearly feel there's a sense of medievalness with the, the coats of armor, etc. And then when you're walking into our, our, our grand hall where you have breakfast, the, the gallery, um, where you're walking to have breakfast in the morning, you have got these two enormous stained glass windows at either side um, with some medieval pews from, uh, from medieval churches in Antwerp. It's just there's a lot of history involved and every time you turn the corner, um, you seem to sense another, another history story just, just waiting for you. Yeah, it's a spectacular place just to be, and the rooms are just spectacular. Some of the, one of the best rooms I've ever stayed in, if not the very best. It's uh, it's really something to see on the inside. Uh, but going uh, back out to the uh, to the golf course, you said that you're you're playing golf, and you had some golf experiences there that we were planning to launch in 2020. I think you were planning on doing something with TaylorMade or something like that. Is that did that go through in 2020, or is that pushed forward into 2021? How's that working? With them, well, we actually launched a, a JP McManus uh, Pro-Am putter. Um, I think that's the boy we're, we're, we're talking about. So we brought out a limited edition putter in conjunction with TaylorMade. Um, and we launched that, uh, as I say, and actually just by Christmas, we had 150 limited edition putters. Um, and I think we're, I think we pretty much sold about 90%, 95% of them. 
um, within a kind of month's uh, sale. So, I mean, it was fantastic. The, the work that we've done with uh, TaylorMade, we're in some discussions with uh, Titlist and some other brands as well, because the the work that's going in, and these companies are, are so good at creating these opportunities for us to work with them. Uh, and certainly the brands that we'd like to be involved with. We also um, have a, a whiskey, um, as I say, talking about St. Patrick's Day, etc. We have a, a Middleton rare whiskey that um, we have a working collaboration with, which is, I mean, an absolute beautiful case bottle. Um, and I believe we're the first uh, hotel brand, etc., to do that collaboration with uh, Middleton. So the, um, we're trying to basically create that that um, opportunity mm-hmm. of having a dear manor at home as well as as well as being here through the current climate. Wow. Um, again, you had me at hello because uh, and now I, I want a putter and I want some whiskey. So we'll talk offline <laughs> about how to make that happen. We're talking to Andy McMahon of Adair Manor here on the 19th hole. It's almost St. Patrick's Day and I'm already celebrating. Um, you we have the Ryder Cup coming up. Um, uh, again, that's something that everybody's looking forward to. I saw it two years ago and I think we said during the round, like if this place doesn't get a Ryder Cup, you know, that you know, there's probably stop having it's because they stopped having the Ryder Cup. It's just, you know, a place it's it's destined to be at when you look at it. Um there's something called is it the uh is it Padel Club? Is that is that am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, the, the the paddle club. Yeah, paddle. the paddle club is our uh, yeah, it's our latest it's our latest addition here at Adair Manor. We've got um, it's an incredible um, it's an incredible setup that we have. Um, it incorporates a seventeen meter pool and two uh, competition standard paddle tennis courts. I'm not sure if you came across uh, paddle tennis much, but um, paddle tennis I think is one of the fastest growing sports in the world just now. Um, and it's a it's a mix between um, it's a mix between tennis and squash. Uh, I'm not sure if that can give you a description of of what's uh, what's involved. I'm not sure how big squash is in the states. If I'm honest with you. Oh, I um, suck at it. I got beat. I literally got beat by an 80 year old. Um, <laughs> <squash. laughs> okay, so yeah. yeah, I know what it is, and I know that I suck at it. So uh, <laughs> I, I know paddle tennis. I know there are a couple of PGA Tour pros who are pretty avid uh, paddle tennis players, and you also have um the uh just the sport uh sporting clays which i am into and, and i am okay at so we got a chance to do that which is yep. you know quite awesome so there's really just a bunch to do uh yep. the conditioning of the course so you had some rounds here did you um did you get to make any changes i know the course is only three years old but you know courses are a living breathing thing and there's always there's always things to do have there been any, any changes since i last saw it yeah, I mean, we're, we're obviously in, in discussions with the tour, et cetera, regarding infrastructure for the, for the Ryder Cup. And even, even when we're looking into the competition for the, the Pro-Am, uh, the JP Pro-Am next year, we are looking at bridges and locations and the flow of the, the guests and the um, visitors around the golf course. With regards to actual playing of the golf course, we haven't got into those changes as yet. Um, most of the big areas that we've been working on through the winter period, etc., is the organic matter control and our, our greens are fairways. And Alan and his team have just done an incredible job of making sure that those greens are going to be firm, fast, and and superb for the for the season ahead. So most of the discussions just now are mostly the infrastructure and the the routing of uh, guests around the golf course so that they can watch the golf uh, safely and from great vantage points. You know, 
that's that's outstanding. And um, again, and it's twenty twenty seven. It's going to be there. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Twenty seven. Twenty twenty seven. But what a lot of people know is uh, on this side of the water don't know about is the uh, pro am that you spoke of before, the JP McManus Pro Am, which every great golfer in the world knows about it. Though, let people know about that. What's the, what is that event? What's it for? How often is it played? Give us the deets on that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge charity event. I mean, we're so lucky that uh, we have Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and we're all signed up to play last year, and we'll just be confirming the names for for the uh, for 2022 now, depending on players' schedules, etc. Um, but it's a huge charity event. It's uh, amateur teams playing with pros over two days on a, on a random draw, so people play with different pros on different days. Um, and it's all for charity. Um, so... Every guest that comes through will have um, 35,000 spectators and the whole gate receipt is for charity. Um, It's a great opportunity to to see the best in a kind of more relaxed atmosphere. Um, And we're very, very lucky with the relationship that Mr. McManus has with these top pros um, in order to to get them to come. And and obviously it'll be great for us to see how 35,000 people go around the golf course, but also to see how the the elites of the sport cope with the golf course to see where the challenges will be for us from a um, from a layout uh, perspective. It'll be really it'll be really exciting. Do you think and there'll be some any, celebrities, etc. as well. Do you think there's any chance there would be a uh, regular European tour event there? Um I mean I think just now there's the European tour has gone through so many so many changes just now. I mean I think I just heard the other day there was still um, I saw Rory talk about the, the Florida swing for a European tour and how he didn't think that would happen. I think there's a lot of... We're lucky we've got the Irish Open this year at Mount Juliet, which isn't a million miles away. That's at the start of July. Um, there's nothing in the in the pipeline for that just now. Um, however, um, I think our, our, our priority and everything is, is based around our, our pro-am. The, the crowds, et cetera, that we will have for that pro-am will, will make it feel like a, a major, major event. I mean, there's, there's many tournaments that wouldn't get that kind of crowd through the gate. So um, we're really looking forward to that. And I think it's interesting that you say that, that the priorities, because when I think about uh, J.P. McManus and his priorities from what I know about him and what I experienced when I was with him, is that his priority is about maintaining connections, maintaining connections with guests, maintaining connections with uh, with the environment that you're in, with the people that you live next to. And I know that you guys did a lot of work to stay connected um, to, to the folks around you, both former guests and employees, people who live in the city. Um, what kind of things did you do to stay to stay connected in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the the modern way, the same way as that we connect now. You know, the, with uh, making sure that we're connecting through social media mm-hmm. and with our team. We have a large team here. We have a team that's uh, over 400, 400 500 uh, team members. So it's very important to make sure that everyone's in the in the know of what's happening and keeping in uh, contact with them. Obviously, the other systems that we have for keeping in contact with our team works in the community. Um, as I say, there's also we've got so many skilled um, team members. So, I mean, we've been doing everything from social media to how to cook certain meals to making certain donuts and pastries and cakes, how to make these uh, award-winning cocktails. So it's just to, we've also been doing things for children, you know, so it, it is, we've had obviously the, the kids and the, I've suffered with lockdown so much as well with schools, et cetera. We've had competitions for, for, for kids, mindfulness, yoga sessions with people that we work with. So basically things to, to keep people um, keep people entertained, keep people engaged. 
um, and and hopefully help at the same time. Well, I think you guys, again, have uh, really combined this sense of excellence and providing a unique experience. And again, just like JP, sort of not forgetting where you came from, you know, and mm. um, and and putting down, um, always seeding the grassroots so that people have an opportunity to benefit from your success, whether they're a guest or not, whether they're staying in the finest suite or whether they're, you know, people who are outside, we're just working for you, you know, and, and, and making those finest tweets, you know, available to other people. I, I love that about you, how the whole spirit of the place goes from top to bottom, side to side. Um, so you're open and taking, are you taking reservations now? Can people start to book for the summer? Because right now we're all lining up and waiting to get our uh, vaccinations so we can travel and that sort of thing. So we're looking out to the future. Um, are you taking taking reservations in the hotel and the golf course now, or is that a little bit on pause yeah. too? No, yeah, we are, we are, and okay. um, as I say, we're hopeful as the season as the season progresses, the restrictions between countries, and hopefully, as you say, the the key thing is the the vaccination programs and then the relationship between the countries to get as many of our uh, American guests back over. We know it's um, we know it's uh, one of our biggest markets um, and one that we have a great relationship with. And one that we, we really look forward to, to welcoming, hopefully in the kind of mid to late summer rather than any later than that. That's certainly what we're aiming for. Um, and so they can enjoy, hopefully, a little bit of sunshine in Ireland as well, if, uh, if we can get it over as soon as possible. Um, you know, I'll do my part. You know, let me know what I can do. I'm happy to <laughs> contribute to that situation. So when people want to get more information, more details and also make their reservations, where do they go? What's the website? What's the information? Yeah. It's a go to adairmanor.com, uh, mm -hmm. um, as I say, and then that will take you on to everything from our bookings to the services that we provide to our online shop. Um, and it, it will give you all the contact details of everything that you would need, including all the details of our, our new paddle club. Uh, and there's some great imagery there as well to show you everything that's involved with the, with the full resort. Okay. Um, I'm going to be making mentally at least my reservation to come over, and I promise you, I am birdieing 17 and 18 next time we play. 16, 17, eight, last three. I am birdieing in on the way through because those are three fabulous holes, and I want to leave a mark on those holes, okay? So I guarantee you next time, you're going to be very proud of me, okay? I promise you. <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Andy, you stay safe, man. Take care, and um, I'll see you when I land over there, okay? Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, you got it. it. That is Andy McMahon. We're at Adair Manor. I'm telling you, this place is, I got to say, it's one of the, you know, you put things in a group, you know, and you say, you don't start to number them, you put them in a folder. But in my best of the best of the best folder, Adair Manor's right in there. I mean, the room that I got was so superb. I'm going to see if I can get it. You know, I don't know how much money I'll have to make between now and then uh, to actually reserve that room for the Ryder Cup. But I'm telling you, that room was so stellar and it was overlooking the 18th hole. And was it big and plush? Okay. My bathroom had a living room. There was a full couch and like a 40-inch TV in, in the bathroom. Okay, so that's, that's what they do. Okay, it's that sort of thing. The golf course, absolutely pristine. The food, you know, they actually, the Michelin stars at every meal are available. Uh, it, it's just, I think the, the room where you have breakfast is the second longest room in Ireland. I think the, the, the biggest one is in Dublin at the university or something. I mean, it's just... It's spectacular. And then there's these little things. You go uh, searching and you can find these little cigar bars that are down in, uh, down in the catacombs next to a wine cellar or something like that. Always something new to discover. Uh, and, of course, it's in Ireland. So Irish people are taking care of you, you know, and 
their hearts are literally bigger than their bodies. You know, they're on the outside and it, it, it's just it. You should do it. OK, I, th I think I've made my case. OK, I rest my case, Your Honor. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more golf and stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRX. episode of the 19th poll. I want to thank our guest, the wonderful uh, Dan Mulhall, the Irish ambassador to the United States for his time and insight. Also to Andy McMahon of Adair Manor. Again, as Ferris Bueller said, if you have the means, I highly recommend it. Uh, you can find this show and all the great shows on Golf WRX on the aforementioned GolfWRX.com. You can also find us on Every place that has good podcasting, that's SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Spotify, there's Apple Music, and on and on and on. There's lots of them. There's no excuse. Go find it. Go get it. Uh, you can find me on social media at, on Twitter, at Michael on TV. With uh, Instagram, it's Michael Williams TV. Please log on. Connect to me. Operators are standing by. As I said before, thank you so much for listening. It does my heart good to hear from people directly about uh, how they enjoy the show, how they wait for it, how they uh, comment on it, and how they share it with friends. Please do continue. If there's anything that I can do to do it better, please let me know because essentially that's what we want to do. Make it as good as we can for you. So until next week, go out, play some golf, hit some balls, hit them straight. But more than anything else, please don't count the days. Make the days count. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRX.